Yeah. By the way, the the butt Great. rock show was fantastic. Uh, oh, thank you very much. In the um, for the one on the '90s, which is really my decade, uh, I must say, forty minutes in, I was tearing things apart in the house. I was so mad because Days of the New hadn't come up yet, <laughs> and it seemed like it might not come up. And then it did. And it was so satisfying. <laughs> the whole time I was like, days of the new, God damn it. Days of the new. <laughs> that's been, that's been like a personal favorite of mine since, since the 90s. Like I, I love that song and it's undeniably, but, uh, but I, yeah. I love that song a lot. I remember I was like vibing with, uh, two huge, like fantasy nerd stoners that I worked in a warehouse with uh UPS warehouse at like, you know, when I was first starting out 18 or 19, and uh, that was one of the things we bonded over. I was like joking. Uh, I was well, I finally found a reason. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, hell yeah, dude, that song fucking rips. <laughs> and they were like, they were like that's, that's Days of the New. And I that was like the first time I'd ever heard the band's name. Like I had no idea who that band was. I just knew that song was sick, and it had like dueling acoustic guitar solos in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's so good. And the funny thing, too, I think you guys mentioned it in the show, too, is the backstory of how the singer one, they became an acoustic band because they were a metal band that had no traction and basically were like, we need a gimmick. So they did acoustic. And then the singer, once they got popular, the singer just fired everybody. It's like, nope. Amazing. Oh, but so just butt rock to the core. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> one band yeah, that I regret uh, not bringing up on that episode is uh, Crash Test Dummies. Yeah. Are you guys no. familiar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm a little yeah. too young. I'm a yeah. little too young for that. Yeah. Uh, Munya is definitely our junior on this. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it was maybe a little young advice, but that was my high school years. So oh, yeah. All those yeah, totally. yeah. I, I um, never heard of them until doing the podcast that I did before Minion Death Cult. And then one of my friends, who's like a couple years older than me, was like, You've never fucking heard of the Crash Test Dummies? And she guessed it on that. And yeah, it's like an insane song where he sings like, very clearly an octave and a half below his range. Mm-hmm. And he's just like <laughs> trying to make yeah. his mouth as big as possible. So that yep. it'll like resonate more. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he like acts it out. I mean, you've seen the video, right? The video was huge. Oh, yeah. when It came out and he like, yeah. acts Once it out. So good. there was a girl <laughs> yeah. who was weird and yeah. she, she was in a play and they <laughs> threw food at her. So, there, there were two bands like that because it was it was, uh, it was that mm, song that came out of Crash Test Dummies and I think Hootie and the Blowfish came out about the same time. <laughs> I remember as a maybe being 14 and watching that on MTV and wondering if it was like parody. I watched it I was like, so is this a comedy band? And I just don't understand <laughs> it. Like, it's it like so over strange. your head in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's satire. Satire. Yeah, after yeah. you do that music yeah. video, you say satire, uh, in Minecraft. <laughs> Uh, that's where that video Parody, lives. not actionable. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, should we, Colin, you want to bring us in? Sure. I think that's going to make a pretty decent opening to the show and um, extended plug for Buck Test 2000, which yeah. is good. So, yeah. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from the top of the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington, that city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia. Today, where we've just put a loaded gun in the trembling furry orange paws of the Weedle in preparation for the <laughs> imminent enactment of martial law on the streets below. 
It's me, Colin. I'm here with Munya, Brian, and Greg, and a special guest. Yes, Facebook has spilled out onto the international stage. Meme lords now lead roving gangs through the seats of power in America. It was all foretold. <laughs> Listeners to Minion Death Cult were long before Wednesday familiar with the characters and archetypes who sacked the Capitol. Tonight, we have the Seattle half of Minion Death Cult, one of our favorite podcasts, Alexander Edward. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar. There are a lot of uh, Seattle Street Fighters listening, I know. Alex, you and Tony have been our eyes and ears on Facebook for so long. You must be feeling a similar orgasmic release, as I think a lot of the actual Capitol rioters were. Uh, (laughs) What's the vibe, Alex? (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me on. Um, it was pretty frustrating, you know, being being a leftist, being working class, and, like, trying to keep up with Twitter on what these, you know, apparent, like, people with nothing better to do, no jobs to go to. I noticed none of them were wearing work boots when they were uh, storming through the halls of Congress. Uh, pretty frustrating watching that go down while, uh, yeah, hosting a podcast about everything that they were I don't know, trying, maybe trying to do, uh, and then seeing them, like, instead of doing the things that we talk about them saying they're going to do every every week, which is uh, dragging Nancy Pelosi out, you know, finally ripping the dentures out of her mouth and dashing them <laughs> across the floor, um, you know, th- throwing them off the, the side of, of the Capitol building or whatever. And then when they finally got there, they just sort of like jiggled the keys in their pockets. You know, they, they <laughs> like uh, went to light a cigarette because they didn't know what to do with their hands. Um, <laughs> interesting stuff. It's weird to see like theory turn into praxis like that. Yeah. Were you guys uh, caught off guard? Because I feel like on this show, we talk about this type of person that was at the DC Capitol quite a bit. You mean cops? Yeah, (laughs) cops, yes. And my theory was uh, going into this was nothing's going to happen. I was like in the Big Lebowski, I was like, these men are cowards. (laughs) (laughs) So did you guys uh, see it coming or were you caught as surprised as we were? Um, Yeah, I was I was definitely caught by surprise that they were let inside the building. Um, yeah, yes, I, exactly. I knew that it was going to be big. I this is like it's their last stand. You know, they're they're treating yeah. it like the Alamo on the internet, and I assumed yeah. like some of that would bleed over into the the real world because uh, these people that are you know very aligned with like the Q movement, very aligned with like the Trump identitarian movement. It's like it's it's not really. political in as much as it is like, you know, a psycho social religious relationship with Trump. Yeah. Um, which, you know, obviously is going to like, by definition, be, uh, a bunch of weirdos who would drive from San Diego, like, uh, Ashley Babbitt, uh, all the Mm -hmm. way to Congress. And in order, is it like two eyes? I don't know. Uh, in, in order to, um, like, Stop the steal, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, well, at this point, it was the hardcores. If you're still holding on to this point, right, it's the people who are who really, really believe. Yeah. Well, especially if you're going to like, you know, uh, go in, go out into the physical realm and try to do yeah. something about it. Like that's yeah. that's the next step because a lot of these people just talk a big game on the internet, and so they they actually went out there. That yeah, the the biggest surprise is um, capital 
the Capitol Police like treating them with such kid gloves. I, yeah. I knew that they wouldn't be treated like Black Lives Matter protesters or like oh, sure. uh, labor or anything like that. Uh, but the idea that they were so understaffed and so underprepared that they were just like, oh, we're going to deescalate this by letting them inside the building. Yeah. And I'm yeah, sure we'll I'm, get into like the possible uh, motivations for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, like, you know, we did, we, we recorded a Patreon app on Thursday, basically. And, you know, it ended up not being much fun because we were so obsessed with our kind of cops are sort of a main obsession on this podcast. And the point we wanted to drive home that night, you know, the day after it happened was like our, feeling that the real thing that happened there was, as you said, the thing to be surprised about was, oh, look, the cops let them in that for all as, you know, as funny as and wild as all these people were like, they didn't really do much, did they? They kind of showed up to a rally. Then they were told to walk over to the Capitol and they just kind of kept going. And there wasn't a giant fence in their way or tanks pointed at their head or helicopters flying over who started gassing them when they when they approached the steps so they just sort of went in and wandered around right so like for us you know we talked about so we don't need to rehash this but like you know we talked about how that that really is like the event is uh, the cops showing like a new side like we saw so much so many people i think got turned on to uh, how fucking awful American law enforcement, people who hadn't considered it before in 2020 because of the Black Lives Matter uprisings. But this was like a new side of the face seen now mask off, you know? It's like the opposite, the inverse. Uh, like what, What? how does, how do the cops, like how much do you guys uh, run into these type of cops uh, on Facebook and like, well, how do how are we from from your like uh, understanding of boomer internet? Like, how are we to understand the mind of the cops uh, in like the Capitol Police and everything who didn't do anything that day? Um, so the number one like cop mindset that we encounter is like the sheepdog mentality, which mm-hmm. is not just an internet thing. That's like an actual training tactic. Uh, that police all over the country receive, which is that you are the sheepdog uh, who guard the sheep and you protect them against the wolves. And in order to do that, you have to be able to uh, commit acts of violence at a moment's notice. You have to be able to, uh, you know, match the wolves intensity, match, match the wolves lust for violence with your own. And you have to most importantly, not feel bad about it. Um, That would be bad enough uh, if that were the, the cop mentality, but, they also, and I don't think this is part of the training. I think this is more of the social media uh, and also like in group think is how much uh, they hate everybody who's not a cop. Yeah, uh, there is a very profound hatred of any civilian, you know, who would dare try to, uh, I don't know, see what they're up to, <laughs> ask them what they're doing, ask them if they could do it any better. These aren't the questions that I would ask a cop, by the way. Uh, I would ask him a different set of questions, Um, but they have a profound disdain for civil. They have this like, you know, this like movie uh, Vietnam veteran mindset 
that just every citizen is mm-hmm. spitting on them after they return from mm-hmm. duty every single night. Uh, so it's it's a huge grievance. It's a, they thrive on the grievance. Um, when I see them stand down, you know, uh, in this in this particular situation, I think there's like two big possible uh, reasons for that. I think uh, or three. I don't know what I'm going to say right here. Um, I think <laughs> one of them is like the primary one is optics. They don't want to be seen beating a bunch of like small business owners uh, slash mm-hmm. you know working class, uh, whether they're cosplaying or not. You know, looking. Uh, people, a lot of women, a lot of suburban moms probably there as well. They don't want to mm-hmm. be seen, you know, uh, doing violence against those types of people. But when there's that many people, like you either have to do violence or you have to stand down. Like that's, yeah. and that's kind of one of the things we talked about on the, on our episode about this is that there is so much shock, even in the right wing community after this, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, shockingly successful direct action that they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of shock on the right wing, like in these right wing spaces, they think it's fake because it succeeded. And they say, you know, Oh, Oh no, it's fake because the cops let it happen. And that's kind of what we're saying too here is that the cops let it happen. But when you're sort of like a protected class of people, or when you're a sympathetic class of people, like your overwhelming force can just make things happen that look easier than maybe you would think they are, you know, it's just, right. you just did like direct action and you've never seen it before. And so it's weird to you. And you're like, uh, no, the cops were nice to the protesters. Therefore, uh, the protesters were probably secret Antifa because, uh, the cops, uh, are in league with Antifa. That's the only thing that my mind can come up with to make sense of this. Um, I think another One. real quick, I think another thing is that standing down uh, afforded the police an opportunity to demonstrate what it looks like when cops, quote, don't do their jobs or what yeah. it looks like when cops are underfunded. And it's I think it I think it's a real big uh, wouldn't you know, don't you wish uh, you'd given us more money? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, don't you wish the cops mm-hmm. had saved your ass in, the, in this situation? Or I bet they'll like us now as one cop like was quoted saying in the halls, you know, like imagining insanely imagining that Congress all like, you know, hates the cops and is on the side of BLM because again, they're like just in this Facebook Fantasia when really before this and now certainly after this, uh, the cops are going to get their budgets like blown up again in the next, uh, Congress, like as always happens. Um, and now, it, I mean, they certainly are. But like, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to think even that on some level, some of these cop commanders even thought, well, like, we'll go easy. You know, we won't do this because for all these reasons, but also thinking in the back of their mind, that'll then it will it'll look a little out of control. Not imagining they'd get like people with guns like close to the actual chambers where congress people were but like it'll get a little more out of control than usual and it'll scare the congress people and then we'll be like we told you so you know because they did come out and saying the the capitol police some of them did say well look you know we got such pushback from blm uh this summer that we thought you know we we'd try some new tactics you know 
Right, right. We thought we'd be friendly with the white supremacists uh, as a change of pace. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and it is worth noting, I mean, that is a common police refrain when people point out, say, uh, during the pra- uh, Patriot Prayer marches in uh, Seattle and Portland, and people would say like, hey, you know, uh, all these Nazis are showing up with guns and like starting fights and shit. Why are you guys all of a sudden so hands off? And the police will say, well, you know, we got so much pushback, uh, you know, because of BLM or whatever that uh, we just let it go. I mean, this is like the police refrain when they obviously treat two groups differently. And uh, of course, we were doing we community out, policing. We were uh, making yeah. inroads with the community and coordinating with them uh, in order to yeah. better meet their needs. I thought this is what you guys wanted. Yeah, and, well, and and to go back to the second point you had made, which uh, it, it kind of pulled it together really well, which is this idea that a lot of these guys started to believe that maybe this was some sort of op just because it was so successful and they were so not used to it. There was a post uh, either today or yesterday on the rant, which is the NYP former uh, current and former NYPD officers uh, message board, uh, where basically they made that exact point. They were like they said something to, on the lines of. Uh, look, this isn't what patriots do. This is what liberal communists do yeah. when you look at the DC riots, you know? And uh, and I and I think you're right. I think they basically were like shocked by like, oh my God, we actually got in. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we're a little surprised. So Alex, uh, the way you like and Tony dig into insane right-wing boomer Facebook groups, uh, Brian does the same thing for cop message boards and cop mm. publications and magazines. Um, so his brain might even be more broken than yours. <laughs> yeah, that's a dark space. <laughs> it's, uh, his, uh, it's his life's work. I, I can agree. It's very dark. <laughs> well, you know, we, we talked about the sort of, you, or you mentioned the idea like the police hate people who aren't cops most yeah. of all, which I can 100% tell you is true. But in 2014, during the Ferguson uprisings, the Washington Post published a goddamn editorial from an LAPD officer who said, quote, I'm a cop. If you don't want to get hurt, don't challenge me. <laughs> and yeah. basically said, you know, people who do outright challenges to my authority are going to get hurt, <laughs> you know? And like, that is their attitude, which is why, and having seen them say this and seen them act on it so many times that's why i think like the rest of us i was so shocked to watch that footage of them basically taking selfies opening the door casually walking with the these right, guys right you know? for the police to do their job um would and their job is really to um you know shut down social movements um shut down any labor movement or any um you know civil unrest at all like that's just the role that they um you know, play contributing to mass incarceration, um, and just like instill violence, like from the means of, um, you know, violent force, uh, for them to accomplish that, the person on the receiving end of that must be dehumanized, right? Yes. Like you, you can't treat them as a human and do that because that's in, uh, inherently dehumanizing. And so when cops are confronted with this crowd who, you know, presumably a lot of those cops are, um, one, probably identify a lot more with and also like what they're fighting for. Um, If they're looking at them as humans, it's like almost impossible to actually, um, you know, instill violence and, you know, show force because you have to treat. That's why they need more training. (laughs) They need to be trained to see everybody as an animal, not just uh, black and brown and leftists. Oh, that's what the Democrats are going to say. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that seems to be a liberal line of thought is not that the police need to be uh, less violent generally, but they need to be just more equally violent across the board. Um, Just 
going on with that. Like I was watching this like 40 minute or like it was like a 40 minute video. It was of the someone, I think, I don't even think it was a live stream. I think he actually like compiled it and then uploaded it. But it was a one take, like it showed uh, them basically like going up to the Capitol, realizing that, oh shit, like we're actually going to be going into the Capitol. Oh my God, like we're inside. And it led all up to like this person being like right up close to the person who got um, the MAGA person who got shot and killed ultimately. Um, mm. It was a really like fascinating uh, video. But what really like struck me was um, how this guy and a lot of other guys were talking to the police to basically like go forward. Like it was like um, they just kind of walked up to them as if they were like buddies kind of like negotiating like a sports bet or something. Um, and being like, hey, but you know, like there's just too many people, man. Like we just got to move. Like I, I, and this is like a hardcore MAGA guy being like, I'm just a journalist. I swear. Like I swear. Like I'm just a, <laughs> a journalist. And then he was, and then like he like turns two seconds later and it says like, man, this whole place might just burn the fuck down, dude. And then like, and then he'll go up to a cop and be like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, you guys got to just back off. Like I just don't want anyone to get hurt. Like this is for the greater good. Like I, I've never seen citizen and cop interaction like that where someone just walks up to them basically like um tries to negotiate them down to say move out of the way because we need to just go into the capital you guys are outnumbered and they're like yeah all right and it's yeah, called uh, i've it's never called ever seen switching. that <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay see that that somehow that all gets at something at the root i think like trying to have these conversations about like what this means what the cops really did to liberals to the right to other leftists like it's there's so many subtleties to it, right? Because okay, they let them pass first. So you can see that. Then they there was a line at the end where they wouldn't, where the guys, the more serious guys in suits in the at the actual doors to the chambers that actually held sitting elected officials were like obviously not gonna let people cross that line. Then later they got like more reinforcements and they actually had to push people out. And so that got a little heated, though they never they didn't like gas them on the steps. So there's like all it's all sort of confused i think i've been trying to synthesize how to like understand this and i i i think it's like it it comes to this like actually what we know is cops are not good at are totally incompetent at doing anything good of value because they are (laughs) anything you would want them to do because they are dumber than dog shit the absolutely the fucking laziest class of people who've ever walked the earth and they're they're right wing chuds. They're reactionaries. So that and that is that right there explains their behavior on Wednesday, right? Dumb, lazy, just sort of letting it wash over them, shrug their shoulders. What then you need the next piece of it, which is the one thing that will get them to put in an effort. The one thing where they will stand up, well, they'll they'll the whole system whirs into effect. All the preparation, all the fences and the tanks, the helicopters, the surveillance, th- put strapping on the gear and the 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 riot shields and helmets, uh, taking the initiative on the line when one person points an umbrella or throws a water bottle, and one cop is like, "Nah, fuck that." That's it. Tear gas, flashbang, you know, rubber bullet point blank at the head at this person and everyone follows in. The thing, the difference is that they do get as lazy and dumb as they are. And as much as in most situations, they don't really want to do any job. They do get excited by the idea of what they really think their job is, which is harming their physically hurting 
their political and racial enemies. That's punishing. that's to, yeah, punishing yeah. their political and racial enemies and, and the enemies of capital. If you can convince them that that's their what they're doing that day, which means any, you know, like you said labor or BLM protest or just policing a poor or black neighborhood, then you know, they're not as lazy and they because but that's the one thing. That's the only time they're not completely uh lazy. One other factor that I will mention, aside from like uh, you know, an extreme disdain for uh every every other member of society, another factor, an, another like identifying mark of police is uh their own safety above everything else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is like what justifies mm-hmm. every act that they do. I mean, we, you know, we hear it, oh, I feared for my life, et cetera, et cetera. But it they go even deeper if you catch them in their their personal spaces. You know, it is one hundred percent every time I inter- encounter a suspect, I'm I'm going to leave this encounter. I'm going to leave this yeah. encounter alive, no matter what happens. Or, mm-hmm. you know, going home to my family is all that matters to me. And, you know, God help me if you're going to, I don't care if you're unarmed. You're not taking that away from me. Yeah. It is an extreme, like, level of cowardice and self-preservation. <laughs> which yeah, which are mean, related to each other, too, right? I mean, like, because you could only feel this um, sixth sense of being threatened by someone, I think, or, you know someone who you just do not see as um, human at all, right? Because, like, it's, it's, not, an, it's not a rational feeling um, completely. So, like, if someone is literally, like, um, a threatening animal to you that you don't know, if they, even if they're unarmed, like, I got to defend myself, it gets you into the warrior cop mentality, um, yeah. which doesn't get triggered when you see someone who looks like every cousin and uncle that you have or, you know, um, your, you know, right. chud friends that you hang co-worker. out every Sunday, co-worker. <laughs> You know, like mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's just fundamentally different. It's not it's not where they're conditioned to um, police either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the you know, you brought the warrior mentality media and also the like intense sense of self-preservation. And when you go through like their actual sort of trade journals like police magazine and stuff. This is one, all they talk about is that, hey, not every warrior makes it home alive and all this kind of stupid shit, which is total horseshit. It's a very safe job. But the other thing they do is anytime a police officer is hurt or dies, they spend weeks talking about it on these, you know, sites and in these magazines that cops read, right? That's all they talk about, right? So it gets highlighted and magnified to this insane level to where, yeah, I mean, you're right, Ox, they genuinely believe one that they could die at any second right <laughs> and not just in the uh, nihilist way but <laughs> that they're actively yeah. having a war waged on them and that yeah that they have the right to just kill anybody that you know uh gets in their way right they could they could make that happen and it's uh remember deeply troubling remember when uh the like the inciting event that led up to the Chaz chop being formed uh the worst injury they could trot out was that uh, female officer who had her she meniscus, tore her meniscus. Torn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it came to she just tripped on a curve, I think. Came she, down yeah, her. no, she was, yeah. you know, chasing after someone to beat yeah. the shit out of them and like, and put her ra- weight on her knee wrong. Mm-hmm. And Dude, they did the Israeli, they did the, 
they did the IDF thing where they said she got hit by a rock and it tore her meniscus. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They had yeah. her like sitting in a chair. She was off duty, but they still had her in her uniform sitting fully in her yeah, chair. geared up in an, on an yeah. office chair. Yeah. With her knee up or something. So fucking funny. Uh, and you know, yeah, so they're they're cowards. I sh- so in my okay in my synthesis there, I need to like add in that they're also cowards, and that the difference <laughs> is they're also afraid. They want they get excited by uh, their fear of certain groups of their political and racial enemies and desire to hurt them. And neither of those were on display on Wednesday. They not only didn't want to hurt those people, but they weren't afraid of them. You brought this up in your article, Brian. Mm-hmm. Which we should plug. Brian's got a, uh, an article up on mechanicalfreak.website um, about his sort of thoughts on the cops on Wednesday. But, you know, when they were surprised and overrun in Minneapolis at that uh, police precinct that ended up burning down, the footage of them yeah. booking out of there is fucking hilarious. They're tripping over themselves, running, blasting they, they, through their own gate. Yeah, they blast like, through their own gate, which they're actively opening if you watch the video. So they're opening the someone gate. Someone clicks the, the gate lot. open and they can't wait. They're like, no, they, go, the go, go. They panics. And, they, and from what I heard, they ran into each other on that street yeah. trying to get down this like two-lane street because they had so many vehicles coming out and they were in such a rush. And if you watch that compared to that video where they casually opened the fence and the, the guys Capitol, and they kind and they of stand there turn their back on the crowd which is the thing they would never do to blm yeah and they just casually yeah just casually walk with them just waddle and or just stand up <laughs> there's crowded like entry hallways that people yeah. are coming in and there's cops lining the hallway just back like trying to squeeze themselves out of the way going like okay i don't know you know yeah. opening themselves up to hidden weapons that the activists could be carrying like knives or other sharp objects you know yeah um, so well, I think, continue I think before on we, here. Well, I think before we move on, it is important to note one last thing about okay. the, this group, which is, you know, Alex, you'd mentioned at the beginning or at the top, right, that you didn't notice anybody in work boots in that uh, crowd. Well, they might not have been in work boots, but some of them brought their work IDs. Yeah. And it has been fascinating yeah. to learn that this crowd was uh, one third small business tyrants, one third uh, YouTube snake oil salesmen. And then one third cops, <laughs> one third <laughs> actual like, cops, actual elected cops. officials, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then some some outliers <laughs> of elected Republican officials. legislators yeah. like rounded out the crowd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta love it. Um, so, you know, now that we've sort of learned more about this, um, we want to ask the question of ourselves and of Alex: Is it okay to laugh at this riot at the Capitol? <laughs> Um, in what, in what way are you asking? I have two opinions on, on this. Uh, do you mean, is it okay to laugh at like proud boys and Republicans, like the small amount of abuse they suffered at the hands of the police here? Or are you talking oh, yeah, about yeah. the, yeah. So I just, I saw a lot of discourse about, you know, how we shouldn't be, uh, celebrating the cops because, you know, the cops did whoop on the proud boys a little bit before all this happened the night before mm-hmm. they did as well. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of like hand wringing and, and just like, you know, soul searching on Twitter. Is it okay to laugh at a, at a proud boy, uh, walking face first into mace because he's never seen <laughs> a cop who didn't like him before? Yes, I'm already is, laughing. Am I am I a, uh, an am I a bad leftist? Am I immoral <laughs> if I laugh at these things? And it's it's a very bizarre like self-indulgent line of thought, you know. Yeah. I think you can like safely look at this as friendly fire 
two far right yeah. groups like duking it out to the extent that they did duke it out, which was mm-hmm. not enough in my opinion. Minimal. Um, yeah. You can look at it as friendly fire. Like, you know, are yeah, you going like conservative to bring your hands? Yeah, you know, like, oh, no, like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, it's real, real cool that Hitler killed himself. I guess we're just celebrating uh, fascist violence now. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> Bad take I don't, on suicide and mental health. <laughs> Yikes. Like, and then the other half of that is like, whether or not you have a good opinion on that, it does not matter whatsoever it is it yeah. is a weird mm-hmm. abstraction from the whatever actual politics are involved in in that sort of infighting it is a sort of like centering the self centering your take centering your reaction to it which isn't going to change anything whatsoever like are the cops going to be uh you know, uh, less brutal because you also, you, you stood your ground and you held your, your ideological, uh, standpoint and told them, Hey, you can't beat up on that guy either. The enemy of my enemy is my friend or, or whatever. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter no. at all. No, I mean, don't ask me to have any, an ounce of solidarity with the, with the cops on that day or with the security state that is now rounding up these people. Um, I think, I think by January 20th, they're going to, FBI is probably going to have like a thousand or more people arrested because they don't want a single one of these people to also show up and do something stupid that embarrasses them on, on inauguration day. Don't ask me to have any solidarity with that, but don't ask me to feel bad. This is it's, I have no control over it. And uh, I'm not going to feel bad when these fucking chuds like get, uh, get the shit beat out of them or get uh, rolled up on charges. Like, that's yeah, that's the bottom line is is you don't have any control over it. Like these yeah, apparatuses, yeah. these apparati, I don't know, are already in place. <laughs> so it's like if even if you're saying, oh, hey, like I know this person, if you're IDing people to the feds, like they probably already know who that guy is. All you're doing is outing yourself as a weird mm-hmm. like narc snitch weirdo or whatever. Like you're still not making that much of a difference. Like I don't think we should be trying to help the FBI uh even if no. we we could. We obviously they don't should need not the be help. doing that. No, but yeah, I don't Hoover's I don't genius, think it, it matters. They've got the people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is a hands-off situation for the left, right? Don't help the FBI out. And uh, yeah, a lot of these people that were there, like Q Shaman or whatever, are probably going to get completely fucking railroaded. And also, uh, who cares? Like, there's, there's, you know, there's plenty of people from the BLM protests that are still fucking in jail. Yeah. Uh, if you want to fight the, uh, the injustice of the criminal justice system, support them. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever happens to Q Shaman, as far as we're concerned, that's his fucking business. Yeah, you know? it's his problem. And I don't care. But I will. I am happy to also laugh at it. I'm happy yeah, to yeah. laugh at not just them getting, you know, rounded up by the cops. I'm happy to laugh at the destruction they caused also at their uh, scintillating personalities as well. <laughs> I mean, that's that, the other absolutely like, the whole thing is fucking funny. I mean, from top <laughs> to bottom, it's it's hysterical. Like other people have made the point, but it's like, okay, these people voted for Trump, right? Like, I I mean, we don't, you know, I, some of them were like actual Nazis, right? There was like yeah. a dude in a camp, camp Auschwitz uh, sweater or whatever. I don't know what that guy's done. Like, ha- I mean, wearing that sweater is, is pretty fucking bad. I don't know if he's also killed people, hurt people, uh, done anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, a bad person. I'm just, I'm willing to to guess that that guy's a bad person. But the majority of these people, like their infraction is like they voted for Trump and they're a little bit crazy, 
right? Yeah. They like Trump yeah. too much. They like Trump to like a cringe degree, right? Yeah. Now, let me look at what the fucking House of Representatives has done. Let me look at what the Senate has done. Are you mm-hmm. really asking me to pick a side in this fight? Like, I don't yeah. know if you'll like my answer if you're forcing me to pick a side in this fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it is true that the funniest thing that happened the entire time was the House members putting on those fucking bags on their heads uh, at the insistence of D.C. police, which was very funny. But I, I, I do want to get to the thing. I mean, the one thing that I did think at the time was like fairly tragic. And this is right up, uh, you know, y'all's sort of alley is uh, the woman who got shot just as the tweet, her tweets from that day came out and stuff, this idea that there's these places on Facebook that you guys are at where people are just old people. I mean, she wasn't that old, but old people in my family are being driven literally fucking insane. Like Mm -hmm. just by memes and by, and I'm not saying you have to feel bad if bad things happen to him. It's just tragic that this is the state of things, I guess. It's, it's why, I mean, she's, she was a military veteran. She's an air force veteran. She was also, I believe a cop. I think that's what, uh, the struggle mm-hmm. session guys told me she would, not only was she, she a talk, she, uh, a cop, she was the worst kind of cop, which is a TikTok cop. Uh, <laughs> oh. She, oh my God. I have to see this. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm going on word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. and she was also tweeting things. She was tweeting the Q stuff. She was saying yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, the, here's the storm. Like we've been waiting our whole lives, you know, no, not really. We've been waiting the last four years for the storm to happen. It's freaking tomorrow. Hey, you yeah. know what happens uh, to people who commit treason? Uh, they go in front of the firing squad, baby. And yeah. like, f- I mean, that's an incredible amount of, uh, you know, dramatic irony that happened in real life. Very weird uh, to see like heavy handed yeah, yeah. narrative devices just like in real life. Yeah, you couldn't um, put it in a movie, right? <laughs> I mean, well, that's ultimately that all these people, they thought they were walking in to, you know, the uh, the 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 Capitol building, which they own as Americans. And you know what? Even if there is some wild shit goes down today, uh, our we're going to be in power tomorrow with Donald Trump. And so that's all. It's not going to matter. Right. And then, you know, ultimately, like it was a failed putsch, right? As, as outlandish as the idea that they were ever going to accomplish anything was, they really thought they thought there was more going on. They thought yeah, like Donald Trump and Q weren't full of shit. Right. So they thought there was more going on. Like this really was, they were just showing up to the party that was happening behind closed doors that was going to make Donald Trump the president for the next four years and really like do whatever they think they want him to do or whatever. And like, imagine like, imagine being an air force veteran, like I think 14 years or something like that. Uh, also being a cop. And then the way you finally die is you get shot by secret service while wearing a Trump flag as a cape. Like, I mean, and we're, and we're laughing because I mean, it is funny. Like, on one very real level, it's, it's objectively, funny. objectively funny. And I think the thing that is like tragic for me though is just that we live in a society or country, whatever, that offers so fucking little for these people that they're so that they're so I have a little meaning. I mean, they, they're a lot of these people are very comfortable, but yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, I'm talking about like meaning, meaning in their lives, in their like, lives, yeah, yeah, meaning in their lives, it's concepts of control, nothing, yeah. And I mean, you guys follow this. I mean, it feels like this is a huge chunk of Facebook. Like this isn't just out 
like, you know, people on the outskirts or whatever that like we I, I don't know how many people in the how many people do you think in this country are legitimately insane in the same way this woman was driven insane by the Internet? I mean, doing this show, seeing like politics over the last 10, 12 years, like I'm I'm willing to dramatically change my definition of insanity. Like, I don't I don't know what counts <laughs> wow. as insane anymore. It seems like there's a lot of lot of weird people out there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I what was I going to say here. Um, I think one of the one of the things we come across in the show, one of the like most interesting parts of of what we find on the show is when we find people who like have uh, discovered real problems, you know, like actual problems in, yeah. you know, our, our society. Uh, and then they just uh, retcon that problem into whatever, you know, current belief system they have or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so Ashley Babbitt probably, you know, she probably had problems. Like she was a small business owner. She was a veteran or she was a cop or whatever. She also probably had some real problems. She probably wasn't a millionaire. You know, she, she Mm -hmm. probably had some struggles, you know, maybe she had like health issues or something. Um, and just, I mean, if we're going to be charitable here, like they latched all their hopes onto a guy who said, Oh, your problem is the deep state you know, yep. or your, your problem is, is the deep state. It has nothing to do with like, uh, 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 what do you call it? Like a material relationship between like cap capital and labor. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all about like, they don't like you, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they hate you for, for being uh, a patriot or whatever. And I mean, if, if you're, uh, an unstable person or if your problems are too extreme, you know, and you haven't just like accepted, the fact that, uh, yeah, that's just how things are in this country. If you're still like, have some, uh, have some glimmer of hope, that hope could take the shape of Donald Trump, I guess. Well, and what do you do? What do you do when the sitting president who you built this whole fantasy around, you know, like that happens with a lot of people who, you know, aren't really in on the, on the bit. Right. But like Trump himself, like, what do you do when you're at like the sitting president's rally and he says like, yeah, we actually are going to go to the Capitol and guess what? I'm going to be in the crowd there with you. It's basically saying like, yeah, the storm is actually happening. Like this fantasy of like hysteria that, you know, manifested on these Facebook, um, you know, comment sections that you visit Alex is like and manifest in real life to the point where like the president is basically like the ultimate poster and is like, in on all of the QAnon stuff and pushes Q theories and, you know, says that we're going to go to the Capitol. I don't know that, that that fact in and of itself, that the subject is in on it blows my mind. Are you asking like, how do you, how do the Trump sycophants, how do these MAGA people react when he does that? And then he also tells them to stand down at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, my, my essentially, yeah. My question is like, how, how is it that like, because then you can see this even, I, and I, I'm not making a comparison at all. Right. But like, you know, um, I think like, you know, a lot of people on, um, on the left, like when Bernie was, you know, um, campaigning, right. Like there was, um, a lot of like jokes and memes and now like, you know, Bernie is this and that, and oh, he's like gonna, you know, like, uh, like go to, uh, I don't know, Barry Weiss's house and throw tomatoes at her. But like, you know, like, but it will never do that. You'll go to a rally and hear like, you know, really just kind of social democratic rhetoric and that's, you know, fine. And everyone's still fine with that. But what happens if like, 
how do they actually interact with the president who actually indulges on like their like deepest fantasies essentially um, at the highest level of government? I, I'm really curious about that. Well, I think it's thrilling. I think it's it's absolutely thrilling. Like yeah, what a you ride. Know, to to go to, you know, you've heard all these rumors, you've heard all these whispers or, you know, these secret decoded messages. And, you know, maybe, maybe you've been relying mostly on like tweets where like the third, the, the 14th letter is, is O or whatever. And you're like, oh, well that <laughs> diagrams over here to when he used the O in a different tweet or whatever. Uh, you, you rely on that and then you see him and he's actually like, no, they're out to get me. Like they're out to get me. They hate me right, because right. they hate you. And and like he's he's like that's that's got to be a thrilling sort of like he's the one who's finally telling me like how all this stuff works. Like he's not mincing any words. He he knows I'm a big enough boy to take it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I would. I'm not surprised that it like resonates with a lot of people who you know have diagnosed uh, problems in their lives. You know, this is a lot of personal problems carry over to like what they think the deep state is in control of, um, and um, I'm not surprised they act on it. it. What's fascinating to me is like how they how they uh, synthesize him telling them to stand down or whatever, him telling them like you know, hey, it was still a steal, but uh, you should go home anyway. The, it, it, I was still you. cheated. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple, you know, the, people still think he's playing 4D chess. I, I see, you know, my whole feed is filled with people who are like, uh, so yeah, uh, has anyone heard about the martial law? <laughs> I feel like I heard something about martial law, uh, which is a, a dramatically funny uh, <laughs> no. take to me. Well, I, I can't remember if you guys have posted this today or I, maybe Colin Yeah, I posted this today. Yeah. The thing the, the thing about the bank? That somebody was at the bank? No, I yeah, saw that. And everyone was pulling no, their money good. out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I saw that, that, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, Trump just... country is emptying out their bank accounts en masse or something because they think there's going to be martial law. So is this just... It's somewhere in Florida. The yeah. first thing I thought of, I texted uh, the guys. I, I, I was like... Um, yeah, when uh, you're about to be arrested, definitely have a ton of money in cash lying around so the cops yeah. can take it in civil a- civil asset forfeiture, yeah. <laughs> even if you never end up being charged. Or, or, just, take it and put, yeah, or just take it and put it in their pocket because yeah. they also are very fond of that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, cash has a weird way of vanishing when you yeah, have a car When search. you're arrested, yeah. Okay, so uh, I, you know, I think there are a lot of questions like mm-hmm. uh, left to like what... Uh, what this all means, where it's going from here. I want to jump to the Seattle angle here. Um, so first of all, we know so far that there are at least two Seattle cops who have been sold out, possibly by <laughs> their, some, of, some of their comrades on the force, we don't know, um, who were who took vacation for the, for this, uh, that day and who were, who have been photographed in the crowd, but we don't ne- necessarily know yet if they made it into the Capitol. Um, who knows? There could be more. So this was big enough that, you know, I mean, this is, this is a story in this town. Um, uh, uh, interim chief Diaz had to give a press conference today, basically saying, yeah, we're investigating it. We'll turn over anything to the FBI. If we find any wrongdoing, you know, blah, blah, blah. They'll be fired. If, if there's anything that's kind of an ongoing story, get back to that in a bit. The thing I want to talk about, is uh mr mike solon one of our oldest friends on this podcast (laughs) the 
uh, Seattle Police Officers Guild president as of about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just just to uh, refresh our memories, I'm just going to play a bit from Mike's classic campaign ad, which he put out in the end of 2019 for his run uh, for uh, Spog Guild president. Take a listen to this if you don't remember it. On February 7th, 2019, two Seattle police officers were involved in a deadly shooting that resulted in the death of the suspect. In an unprecedented move, Spog Vice President Mike Solon improvises a press conference at the scene, supporting the officers' actions and quickly capturing the narrative. This marks a new chapter in Spog media relations as Solon's message is fully embraced by the Spog membership, thwarting the anti-police activist agenda that is driving Seattle's politics. I'm Mike Solon, and I am running for the Spog presidency to chart a much needed new course of leadership in our police union. I believe the purpose of a police union is to fight. Fight for your rights, fight for your respect, and fight for your contract. Police officers now are being held to an unreasonable standard and the scrutiny is immense. Okay, so that's Mike Solon. Police officers are being held to an unreasonable standard, he said early in 2020. Um, after his main like pitch to, he was the, at this time, when he, you know, last year, uh, you know, 2019, he was the, uh, the uh, vice president of the union. Um, so, you know, that's a little reminder that whom, about who Mike Solon is, which is basically, he was the no compromise full chud candidate the go on the offensive against the activist class again his claim to fame there uh in the beginning was uh i we we were saying earlier we think it's uh the murder of spd of by spd of charlena lyles yeah gave that's the impromptu press conference he's referring to to shift the narrative you know like uh so that's that's Mike Solon. Um, Disgusting think, stuff. So so refreshing okay. to see a, a police union uh, chief, you know, take the media head on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to, I think to take a take an offensive role. But I think it's worth giving like a brief sort of uh, just how we got to Mike Solon, which was we had Ron Smith who came in in 2011, who was the Spog head, you know, who basically got voted in because of the Justice Department investigation of Seattle PD. And Ron Smith was a Mike Solon-like character. He said stupid shit all the time, didn't know when to shut up. He had also, uh, he basically ran for the head of Spog, or got the idea after he went on vacation to Sturgis and shot somebody, (laughs) and then uh, was going to get in trouble for, you know, trying to murder someone in a bar on vacation in Seattle, like the Spog literally sent lawyers and shit. And like Seattle basically had to negotiate for his release back to Washington. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the good thing about being in a union is you get yeah, free right. legal <laughs> services. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And he was so mad. I've, about I've used them. I've used them. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't great. for that. It wasn't for killing a man in a bar <laughs> fight or whatever. <laughs> Must be nice. It, Must be nice. Well, the way you put it, Brian was, he was so mad at yep. having been talked down to by the city yeah. of Seattle. Yeah, the city of Seattle call basically told him he was an idiot for shooting somebody at Sturgis or whatever, and he decided he would run for the head of Spog. And he basically was forced to resign in 2016 because he wouldn't stop saying incredibly incendiary things. So his seat got really hot and he was forced to resign. Kevin Stuckey came in, who was really trying to clean the image of Spog up. He's the one who got him on the MLK Labor Council. And he was like, look, we're not just going to say stupid shit all the time. Uh, And his whole thing was like, 
if we're just quiet for a little bit, like if we can just keep it to a low murmur, the judge is going to overthrow this consent decree or overturn the consent decree. Or and we'll end be, it. Yeah. And, yeah, we're going to be back on our own. And Mike Sullen ran specifically against that, right? He was like, oh, I am against respectability politics. Oh yeah, we're, dude's we're rock. back on I the mean, offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and as we know, like we're not we don't need to review all this, but like over the course of 2020, just a constant like fire hose of disgusting shit, uh the the wildest propaganda during the BLM uprisings, just uh he he's a huge piece of shit. Um we know he's like connected to we've seen i'm this is actually recent with the big parlor dump that's going out we've seen now that he like you know follows a lot of uh gavin mcginnis and other proud boy stuff on parlor whatever this guy is an asshole that's why he is the spog Mm -hmm. president well uh the other day uh on wednesday he um uh very typical for him he decided to retweet Andy No, uh, claiming that someone who was ID'd at the Capitol was a BLM activist. Um, this, of course, this was it was some guy. There's photos of some guy who has been at BLM protests who everybody ha- he's one of these characters on the West. I think it's actually West Coast who everybody hates that he's been kicked out of a lot of like. BLM and activist circles that he's tried to get into. Everyone thought he was a cop or a plant or something. Turns out he was at uh, whatever he was doing there. He was at, he was in the Capitol, was ID'd. Andy No is like, look, uh, it looks like it's BLM and Antifa at, at, you know, who are doing the riots. And Mike Solon retweets it saying, hashtag American, hashtag cops. <laughs> Caught in the middle between buying factions for hashtag political, just the word hashtag political control. It's good. That's good. That's great uh, SEO right there. That's yeah. like that's how these fucking <laughs> hashtag that's how political. these like fifty year olds fifty year olds master like uh, the the social media. They're like hashtag I hashtag think. <laughs> You know, well, like if you just this. want to know some political stuff on I, Twitter, you're gonna go hashtag political, I, and what's gonna come up? But Mike Solon, but like, I, I have set up. I'm my searching for, for uh, tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm searching for tweets about Mashuga's 25 minute long EP, and instead uh, I find some some somebody's thoughts about you know uh, uh, Andy No here. So he says, reminds me of our friends in. Uh, Blah blah blah. Our, our, our yeah, our present slash future, as mainstream uh, media tells us, who to blame for yesterday's trouble. Andy No continues to be reliable, <laughs> and so um, the thing is, like, this is in line with shit that Mike Solon has been saying for the last year. Like r- crazy Andy No shit. He's very fond of Andy No and retweeting that stuff. He said all kinds of incendiary shit. What is different is that um he didn't realize that uh this whole thing that's going on, like as as weakened as the cops position barely, but like politically slightly weakened as the cops position in America were in 2020 because some people caught on, as we were saying, that they're pieces of shit. Like he skated through all that, you know, um, every, a lot of people hate him, but it doesn't matter because he's, you know, he's the head of a, a cop union. Local. Oh, and the police love him. 
Yes, they, he won with 70% yeah. in his election. He is very popular among the rank and file, and that's very important to know. But what he didn't realize was um, this event at the Capitol, the whole thing inclu- like not only has the popularity in America of something like, say, 9-11, but also the cops are very suspect in all this to the point where, like, uh, I mean, lawmakers are calling for the resignation of other Republican lawmakers, which is fucking unheard of. They don't do that because that's like the only reason anyone could get rid of them. Um, Lawmakers, as much as I don't think anything's really going to happen and really they're going to end up giving the cops more money, like our own congressperson, Pramila Jayapal, uh, in cut yesterday, said the, the lack of security at the Capitol is not an accident. It's very clear to me that there were branches of our law enforcement agencies, the fact that there were no barriers, uh, that they were essentially allowed in. This wouldn't have happened if it had been peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. Uh, basically saying the cops let them in. Like, they're, this message is getting out there. And Mike Solon just didn't get that he... Uh, <laughs> that this wasn't the day to associate yourself even a little with like right-wing Trump America, even though we all know that's where he's at. And uh, everyone's calling for his resignation now. Uh, Carmen Best came out and said, ooh, this is bad. You need to apologize or resign. Jenny Carmen Durkin Best said is the like, same listen, thing. I, I know a bad look when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Very that's familiar a great thing. With this. We know Carmen Best is the same. I'm sure Carmen Best and... Mike Solon agree on everything, have exactly the same politics, both voted for Trump. Yeah, that was about but, to say. Yeah, but but I bet Carmen Best didn't vote for, vote for Mike Solon because Carmen Best is from the other side of this camp in SPD. The 30% who didn't vote for Solon, the uh, PR, Carmen Best's a career PR flack. Like she was very much yeah. on the team of like, let's put on a, a smiling face and like not be like, uh, physically, like in the media, like publicly assholes. Let's do just just do that when we're doing our jobs. Um, so uh, uh, Scott Lindsay, the former uh, city attorney, who's like been all over the Como Safe Seattle documentaries, also called for <laughs> resignation. Now seven out of the nine, <laughs> right? Like if, very if, brave. If, if yeah. Scott Lindsay's calling for it, seven out of the nine council people, yeah, including like idiots like Andrew Lewis and stuff. So you know it must be this is like popular opinion. Yeah, well, I think what changed. it means is I think what it I mean I called it right when Carmen Best said mm-hmm. he he should resign or should yeah. apologize or resign. I was like, oh, Mike's out because, and, and a lot of people are like really like wishful like, oh, I don't know, like he's really popular in Spog and like they, and we've seen and I don't blame anybody. We've seen the cops just get away with everything. There'd be absolutely zero accountability. The OPA means nothing. People are still being fucking charged for getting beat up by a cop during the protests, you know? Well, um, okay, the question is, who has the the power or the leverage to get him out of that position? Yeah, legally? Because... No one. Yeah, legal? No, politically. Like, yeah, I don't know. That, I'm not yes. familiar. <laughs> I'm not familiar as much with the political. I'm still fairly new to Seattle. I've only been here a few years. Uh, but when it comes to, I mean, you know, from what little I know about Mike Solon, like, he seems like a Trump-like figure, which is somebody yeah. who is never going to resign. Like, somebody who who is also extremely popular within his union. Like, 
I mean, as a union member, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, yeah, this is the guy I would want to be my president. I wouldn't want a fucking Carmen Best who's a PR person. I wouldn't want like somebody who's more concerned with optics than they are with being an attack dog for my, you know, workers' rights or whatever. Uh, Obviously, I'm not a cop, so I I don't consider these guys my my allies or my brethren or, or whatever. But I don't know who would have the the leverage politically to get him out of this position. It's funny though that they are kind of aligning against him because yeah. you know this is the guy that you would want leading your union. But if you're like you know part of the liberal orthodoxy or part of the you know ruling class in general, like yeah, you want this guy to shut the fuck up because mm-hmm, exactly police police precincts police departments everywhere are about to get a big fucking influx of money with the biden administration yep like Mm -hmm. all they have to do is keep their mouths shut and say oh yeah it was terrorism oh yeah we're underfunded oh yeah we Mm -hmm. need all the help we can get to fight quote white supremacy that we really fucking care about and like you know with this siege on the capitol you know with the siege on the capitol uh the liberal I mean, everybody with hashtag BLM in their in their Twitter bio is calling for you know a new Patriot Act, yeah, against mm-hmm. these people. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but like the Democrats elected a guy who refused to run on defunding the police. He was like yeah. the only Democratic, the only like mainstream Democratic uh, 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 front runner who said, no, the cops need more money. They need more money and they need more training. And he never varied from that. He never wavered Mm -hmm. from that, even when he wasn't doing good in polls. Uh, That's who they elected. So I I can't see another alternative coming out of this. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that... What I think that, you know, we talk about like who has the leverage with Sullen. I mean, I think it's going to come down to the money issue because part of what got Ron Smith out of there was the, you know, long overdue contract negotiations with the city. And we're right about to walk into another round of contract yep. negotiations. And I think that will end up being the leverage because, I I mean, look, all the cops in, you know, in SP are dumb as hell and think that uh, Biden is some sort of communist. But it's going to become quickly apparent that, I think you're right, Alex, that the money is about to start flowing. And uh, they're going to want that contract together, <laughs> you know, in time to, to really lock in some of that funding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we're in the middle. It's going to be after- the second Obama administration where they're just yeah, going to get all, yeah. all sorts of fun equipment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. And for SPD in particular, they're at this point where, you know, after last year, I mean, this council, at least part of the council is at least, you know, nominally publicly in some way in favor of kind of maybe reducing their budget a little or at least want to look like fighting it. Plus the their, the union contract was up. December 31st. That's it. They're, they have no contract now. So it has to be re- negotiated this year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to do like now with this, with th- another thing that's turning the whole country's eyes like skeptically at police as like wild Trumpists. And now you've got this guy, Solon, who is like, I di- now again, he said a million things and there's so much back evidence that he's a hardcore Trump psycho that like it's going to be impossible for if they don't push them out this could happen this week or not it'll happen before these negotiate because they're going to have to have these negotiations and that means the story's not going to go away if the city has is gonna, that's going to be a big fight period the 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 i mean that's going to be people on the streets like 
when they're trying to negotiate the spot contract. And if and the the thing is that the reason I know he's going away is because the news is actually covering it. So we talked about the two SPD officers who we know were in D.C. Every single story on that in the newspapers, the TV news hits locally that mentions the two cops who might have been in the Capitol riot from SPD. They all mention Mike Solon's tweet, which is funny because in that tweet, actually, he wasn't saying I'm with the rioters. He wasn't saying that. He all what he was saying was, oh, look, some there might have been some BLM people there, you know, trying to spread that sort of nonsense thing. And then he was saying, oh, the Capitol cops are caught in the middle between the far right and the far left. So he like was against it. But that's not what they're focusing on any of the news coverage. They're basically tying him rightfully to the far right, which is something that like has they've never done before. You know, we know no matter what the cops say and do, the media, especially local media, just fucking lets them skate on everything, takes every fucking uh, everything they say as gospel and just reprints the bullshit. They're actually being by like tagging Mike in with these two guys who might have actually been in the building, like tearing up the Capitol. Uh, it tells me with Best and Durkin coming, it tells me the word has gone around. We've got to get rid of this piece of shit. Because at the end of the day, he's just a loudmouth asshole. He brings nothing really to Spog except that. He, he doesn't guarantee their bargaining position. That's guaranteed on the national level. You know, like they're going to get their pay. They're going to maintain their impunity from any prosecution. Like... Uh, he's not if a he's political anything, operator. Well, yeah, I on. mean, well, ki- kind of. I mean, he see from what little I know of him, he seems like a very, you know, Trump-like figure. If he, if he's learned anything from Trump, it's just don't say sorry. Like, don't yeah. resign. Like, that's all you kind of have to do when the liberal playbook is to rely on, you know, shame or to rely on uh, the the upholding of norms like this guy already doesn't seem like he gives a shit about norms so i don't he he sounds like a a the republican base when he he muses openly about oh this is and this is antifa probably who knows like that tweet that he that he quotes from uh andy no has what like seven hundred thousand retweets or or Mm -hmm. likes or whatever like it's it's like this isn't fringe really behavior when it comes to the right wing and like nobody, I don't think or sorry, 31,000 retweets, 46,000 likes like this isn't, there's no, it's not really a secret that the police are pretty much right wing by nature. Maybe the liberal, you know, hegemony is interested in obfuscating that reality. And that's why they want him out so bad. They want to, you know, maintain this veneer of bipartisan, uh, oppression against its people, mm-hmm. but um, I'm not sure how how effective that sort of uh, you know let's play nice let's let's make uh, let's make good faces for the cameras. I'm not sure how how far that strategy is going to go without any actual leverage against him. Yeah, well, I think it'll be interesting to see. I agree, he's that type of guy. Does he really have the stamina and the sort of like God complex of a Trump figure. I think he's going to get behind the scenes. I don't think like the council's going to, f- I don't, don't think anyone's going to like, you know, use procedure to force him out because there isn't the cops are totally unaccountable as is Spog. I think he's going to get such an avalanche of behind the scenes pressure and that 
other like important voices, not just in command, but like popular people. Like eventually there's going to have to be capital wants the SPD to stay funded and stay in power and not have their shit challenged. I think he's going to have an avalanche of pressure come down on him. He hasn't been tweeting through it. He hasn't tweeted since Friday. He hasn't, he hasn't Mm. commented in any of these news stories about him (laughs) that everyone is talking about him. So I, that's my, that's my prediction again. Yeah. You're a lot of people aren't saying that a lot of people are with you on that, Alex, that he'll stick it out because he's just a born asshole. And they may be right. I, I think he's at least before the negotiations go down or before they're certainly before they're finished. He'll, he won't serve the rest of his term. Well, I think other people in Spog, just like they did with Ron Smith, are probably taking Mike aside yes. and saying, look, we're not going to be able to negotiate like, look. The council wants to give us a contract that doesn't defund us. The council wants to give us a contract that removes all accountability, right? But then they can't do it or they're not going to do it while you're the head, right? And if that means- now, I think that is the sole point of pressure of Mike Sullivan. So exactly, the question yeah. comes down to, is he willing to burn that fucking down to save his own sort of, uh, you know, over his own hurt feelings or whatever? And uh, he might be. So it'll be fun to watch. We'll have to, we'll have to keep our eye on it, as they say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Anyway, I, I won't shed a tear to see him go, but obviously like it won't mean anything. Um, who knows? It could be, it, he could take it out to up to the negotiations where the, it, the conversation turns back to him and the council going, you know what? We just cannot negotiate with this Mike Solon. So this is ridiculous. Allowing him to then resign and they all can go, Oh, we won, and then pass a uh, you know a budget that you know gives them more money and whatever. So that sounds believable. That sounds very plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it will if he does stay in. It will force the council to uh, either uh, you know grow a pair and basically say we're not negotiating with Solon, or do what they always do, which is completely collapse in the yeah, face that's of possible too. and just say, oh well, what can you do? Better give them a tank. Um, well, their okay, opposition so. to him is isn't material. It's just purely based on like optics and mm-hmm. his yeah. manners yeah. and yep. and that sort of. They, he's just saying the quiet part loud, exactly. which is you know the same thing that Trump was guilty of, and and hence so much liberal opposition to him, which really d- d- amounted to nothing. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Solon, yeah. Solon does not have. I don't think he has the god complex of a Trump. I also don't. He has none of the charisma either. Like he just his last tweet, which is hilarious, is he photoshopped his own headshot into a screenshot from Brandy Cruz's show talking about possible people running for mayor. And he's like, what about me, Brandy? (laughs) He like photoshopped his own headshot. But like, that's like such grasping. Like he, he could run for mayor in this town and get like, you know, 0.2% of the vote. Everyone in Spog might vote for him. But like, if you ever see him like actually like talking, like he, he does not, he's not like a magnetic guy. He knows how to talk in front of a camera. Um, but he's not like a kind of like a magnetic like he's he can't be the messiah for the right in this town or even for SPD. Anyway, I mean, do we have any predictions as to um, like anything else we haven't mentioned for where this is going to go either nationally or here in Seattle, like with SPD? I think we're going to see another another Patriot Act. I think we're going to see yep. another Patriot Act under the guise of uh, a crackdown on white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, you know, it'll be the woke version of the of the post 9-11 hysteria. Like I I saw some just incredible takes just on Twitter. People saying that, oh, yeah, this was worse than 9-11 for me. 
seeing yeah. the the it's nation's amazing. capital uh, be you know get get dirty smudges all over the the paintings yeah. or whatever. Like this was worse Whoa. than nine eleven for me. Yeah, Johnny Favs had the tweet that this was uh, the worst that Donald Trump inciting this was the worst thing any American president had ever done, uh, which, you know, led to. <laughs> I encourage everyone to check out Brian's uh, history podcasts on the Truman administration <laughs> yeah. um, and the dropping of the atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's 500 things that Harry Truman did his administration in, that, in uh, one presidency. Uh, but yeah. um. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. the, the Patriot Act or the, the new Patriot Act and this focus on white terrorism, I, it's totally true. I mean, this did is, you know that none of that was illegal up to now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> domestic <laughs> wild to wake up one day and learn that domestic terrorism has been legal all this time. Uh, well, when you don't have drones circling overhead uh, 24 hours, then, yeah, it's de facto kind of legal there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same. How would you really why, know? Yeah, and it's why me and Timothy McVeigh are still words with friends partners. Um, but the thing is, is, the thing is, that's important to remember, which nobody remembers because nobody remembers last week, is that a huge part of the police buildup in the '90s and a huge justification for it was fear mongering about right wing militias. Yeah. And hmm. um, there, you know, it, whether it was amping up Waco, I mean, the entire Waco raid yeah, was a PR stunt. Stuff, yeah. yeah, it was a PR stunt for the ATF, right? And you know, there was a huge thing. I remember, job, guys. <laughs> yeah, it worked out great. I like them. Yeah, <laughs> worked on me. I, I love them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what the ATF means. Yeah, I, and even I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what those three letters mean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I will say now it, the, the whole thing kind of petered out in the late '90s when the ATF held siege to the Freedmen's compound in Texas. And uh, basically just cut their power off and told them they weren't allowed to leave to buy cigarettes. And they immediately gave up. And it was like hard to consider these scary militias anymore. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they, you know, the Waco raid was like an ATF stunt that then the FBI had to come in and clean up. But still, you know, uh, Bill Clinton talked about scary cults, scary militias, which then, of course, Timothy McVeigh was fucking at the uh compound when they burned it down and then he blows up the oklahoma city building because he's you know isn't a fucking crazy nazi and then saw that shit and made him crazier and all of a sudden that became an excuse to increase the police budget more and all this time in the 90s where right-wing militias was this big fear that you could see on the nightly news and stuff that again was used to excuse this you know police buildup uh who actually went to fucking jail during yeah. this time right mm -hmm. who did all those police mm -hmm. powers get actually used against? yeah did you know that um uh mass incarceration exploded with uh white nazis during the 90s is that is that what i'm hearing yeah, yeah. it was it was a part of it. i mean you know f inflated fears of urban crime and stuff but the militia thing that was a big thing and i think we're just going to relive it again and i do remember lots of people in the 90s getting very excited about like you know we gotta it was a big thing for up armoring the police like we yeah. gotta make sure the police have high powered you know assault rifles and tanks and the shit heat because have you, have you seen these militias have you seen these fat guys on jungle gyms in michigan have you seen the movie heat yeah yeah heat was the other one which was, <laughs> i think that was one that really moved everybody yeah but yeah uh, I'm struggling internally with like, you know, my argument about like whether or not we should condemn police violence against Proud Boys because like what does my condemnation mean? What does it achieve? Mm -hmm. uh, with like my intrinsic, I don't know, uh, drive to tell my liberal and left friends to stop calling what we saw at the Capitol building terrorism. Yeah. Like I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to square those two like positions I hold because I really do want, 
like the libs in my life, the supposed leftists in my life to stop calling that terrorism. Because I mean, apparently some people were armed. I, I heard that word thrown around. I haven't read that myself. Uh, I know there were bombs placed at the DNC and the RNC possibly as like a diversionary tactic. If that was the case, then I would, I would agree. I would, I would accept that those would have been like lone wolf acts of terrorism, which we've seen throughout the, you know, Trump administration, how credible I, I, you know, I'm not going to say, but I would submit that, yeah, those individual acts would be lone wolf acts of terrorism, occupying the Capitol building, walking past a cop who like said, right this way, sir. I don't think that's terrorism. I don't think that counts as terrorism. And I'm really like sort of chagrined to see a lot of like, you know, mainstream liberals and, uh, you know, even even people on my friends list call that terrorism and demand for, you know, the swift hammer of justice to uh, to fall upon these people using like the same tactics that labor has used, using the same tactics that like disabled activists have used that that mm-hmm. uh, anti ice uh, protesters have used. And I don't know, am I like screaming in vain by by uh, demand, like by asking people not to use those words? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, and Alex, I would even take that a little further and say that, you know, I, by calling it terrorism, it, it, I think like objectively, like there are acts of terror and I don't want to um, downplay people who legitimately felt like terrorized at those events. I mean, they were, you know, horrifying, but like, I think even just going to where the actual intention is from these libs from even, you know, so-called leftists are calling this an act of terrorism. The implication is fundamentally is that we need to, you know, down, right? Like, right. That's the only, that's the only solution. That's like the natural logical, like endpoint of what you're saying is that it's going to be the state who decides what's, what terrorism is. Well, exactly. And like, I think like it, it really hits the point because like when you live in a world where you don't believe in a better world, right? Like it's just not possible to you. The only thing that really you can do is just an equal distribution of discipline and equal distribution mm-hmm. of punishment. Um, and like they see that there is an unequal distribution of punishment. It's usually towards um, the working class, towards black people, um, people with disabilities, um, et cetera, the impressed people. Um, and Basically, you look at that, and if you do not believe that there can be a better place, that we can actually, like, you know, have a society without a police state, without uh, mass incarceration, you can say, oh, the woke thing is actually to distribute that punishment equally, and Mm -hmm. those people need to be punished the same way. Right. I'm I'm less familiar with Jayapal. I I like uh, a lot of what I've seen from her. Uh, some things I've heard from her uh, are lightly concerning. Uh, this statement that's in you know uh, what we're talking about here, uh, she is like condemning the the Capitol Police response to you know these these MAGA protesters, and she says. Um, uh, the discrepancy of what would have happened if these had been peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters, believe me, they would not have been anywhere near that building. And there would have been yeah. a lot of arrests. Is she saying that's a good thing? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't understand that argument. It doesn't seem like a good argument when you're a self-avowed uh, 
leftist. And I had people respond to me because I, you know, I said, so, you know, I have liberal friends on Facebook and I, and I kind of tried to make this point. I included photos of, you know, uh, workers in Wisconsin occupying the, the state house, trying to prevent a right to work law from passing. I included photos of disabled activists occupying the state capitol, getting dragged out by police. Like, is this something we want to call terrorism? Um, and I had like, you know, some thoughtful responses. And then I had a lot of like, very hysterical responses. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had somebody say like, you are on the verge of death. You and everyone you love are about to be murdered by fascists that you are not taking seriously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And my response to that is like, yeah, those fascists are my enemy. They definitely pose a threat. I am more worried about the fascists that are already in power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how many how many people have cops killed? How many people have yeah. like liberal austerity measures killed? Now compare that to how many people that guy in the uh, Camp Auschwitz sweater has killed. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he's 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 obviously like a good boogeyman for these people. But and then and then they said, oh, well, they're the same. Those protesters are the same. They are the cops. And it's like, yeah. So why why are mm-hmm. we? talking about protesters here and not the system itself. And I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm getting the argument that getting Trump out is the first step and getting Biden mm-hmm. in is just, that's going to be their solution. Yeah. Is yeah, getting get Biden in is the solution. Yeah. Getting a Democrat in is always step one. And then step two is always question mark. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, yeah, you, you kind of get this thing where you, if you try and point out the politics of the matter and say, look, the, the problem isn't that D.C. police are underfunded or don't take terrorism seriously. The problem is a political one regarding the uh, shared affinities of D.C. police and, and Capitol police and the shared and the crowd. Right. That was there. Right. And yeah, I mean, there, there has been some of this response of like uh, if BL, if as BLM, there would be more police and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that's totally true. But that's also bad. Like, because that is also a political question that we're talking about, right? So in the end, what we get to is not, hey, we should call this terrorism and give the police more resources. Because what we've discovered here, if we take it as a political question, is the police are fucking bad. Yeah. And that actually the real argument is we should defund them. That's that's actually what we should have learned from this whole capital thing is that uh, maybe the police just shouldn't have any fucking money or resources. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look, this is what we said from the beginning. The people there in the crowd really didn't do much they're my enemy they're mostly insane but they are like right-wing chuds uh, some of them are certainly some of them are like avowed fascists but they didn't really pull much off could they have i mean you can get into these like counterfactuals and possibilities i it seems like there was a hard line that they weren't going to be allowed to cross and that even if any of them were armed those people did not try to approach the chambers until after Congress and the cops had been actually gotten out of there. We could go back and forth about this shit all day. I don't think I, again, yeah, the, the lesson is the cops, this should show now the, the mirror side of what we saw at BLM this summer. This is the mirror. This is the inverse of it. And the only lesson you should take away from it is defund the motherfucking police. Now, uh, I can also at the same time acknowledge that while these nut jobs didn't really accomplish much, it is worrying for the future. 
Uh, it is right. like yeah. they didn't do much today, but some of these people are going to be right wing celebrities for the rest of their lives. They're going to a lot of them are going to do end up doing very short prison bids, probably uh, where they're going to get more serious about this shit and they're going to come out of that. Like, who knows what that could what this all could metastasize into uh, in the future? What kind of far like more organized far right movement could grow out of this out of people who were there that day and learned lessons who have their politics shaped by it who then come together later 10 years down the road uh we don't know i don't know but am i and am i upset that they're getting arrested no but i'm also not gonna root for the police state not just because it's bad and should be defunded but also i don't trust the 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 libs and their uh, the right wing police state they're in an alliance with to avert fascism like that. I'm not, I, I will not, I'm not going to look to the current power structure in the United States to protect me from nascent growing some kind of 21st century fascistic ultra right wing violent movement. Like I'm not, I, I know in the end they're, they're going to help bring it about, not protect me from it. Yeah. We're in the end of the myth. If we look towards history, uh, center-right governments have have a great track record. Liberal governments have a tra- great track record of averting fascism. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not. So I don't. Again, it comes back to the down to this thing. Like we have no agency here. If the working class decides uh, through its self activity to organize itself, we can have solidarity with that. We can join that. And we can try to avert some kind of 21st century right wing fascist nightmare that way. Otherwise, like we're all just spectators and I'm happy to laugh at it. Well, the answer is always the same. Organize at your workplace. Yeah. Try and build the left. That, yeah. That's the answer. And and try to, you know, uh, cobble together some some sort of self-defense, whatever that means mm-hmm. to you. I'm not going to say anything on the record, whatever that means to you. Uh, you should, you know, uh, learn some, in, learn some valuable information, learn some valuable skills. I would say that. All right. You're to hear Get first. yourself a can opener. Alex, learn how to use it. Yeah. Alex is endorsing learning how to eat beans with your can opener. <laughs> and, uh, everybody should learn, uh, karate, Cobra Kai. Karate. That's right. I'm bean dad. I'm bean dad, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Big reveal. So, the, uh, Thank you again so much, uh, Alex, for joining us. Uh, everybody, you can find Alex and his pal Tony on Minion Death Cult. We will link uh, to their stuff. Uh, they're experts on all this, and it's always a good time. Alex loved your episode on you know the events this week, but I always I listen all the time. We're on the we're we listen to the Patreon as well. Right now, you can also uh, at, before we open the show, we were talking about. Alex's current project that he's doing on the Street Fight Radio Patreon feed with Murder Brian. It's called Buttfest 2000. Brian and Alex rate 2,000 butts, best to worst. <laughs> uh, and you can Bring check out that out. Steel drums. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Um, oh, uh, let's see. Other announcements. We were just on um, me and. Brian and Colin were just on uh, the new Deadbeat Film Society that just dropped talking about uh, 2014's excellent Nightcrawler, Mm -hmm. um, a movie about how uh, the only way to 
raise yourself up from the bottom in this country is by being a stone cold fucking psycho and learning the power of internships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, also, uh, <laughs> Alex and Tony were both on a struggle session as well. I can't, I can't remember if it was the Patreon or the free, but it was a very good episode talking about chuds and DC. So cool. Yeah. I have a feeling on. before this drops, like eight more podcasts yeah. with Alex and or Tony are going to be on it. Cause <laughs> everyone had the same fucking thought yeah. and was like, Oh fuck, we got to yeah. get these guys on. Oh, also shout out to uh, Tony's baking bread. So uh, if that means something to you, you can get bread from Tony. <laughs> yeah. If you're in the Inland Empire, um, get some of that bread. Tony makes okay. amazing bread. I don't doubt it. I want to eat some of that someday. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Thanks again. Alex. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see everybody next time. Yeah. Bye bye now. Bye. bye. <laughs> All you can do is watch. All you can do is watch.